shippers, and welcome back for the conclusion of our Wizarding World extravaganza. That's right. Today we're closing the book on our Harry Potter birthday celebration with a Potter mashup of some of our honorable mention couples. So if you're a fan of Lupin and Tonks or Arthur and Molly Weasley, then listen along. Yep. Do we ship it or who do we ship for that matter? Listen to find out. Hi, everyone. I'm Dev. Oh, and, and I'm Steph. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping this Steph. That's awesome. <laughs> He's Dev in. <laughs> yeah, that's that's wonderful. Um, I don't know what just happened there. I'm sorry, guys. But welcome to We Ship It Podcast, the podcast where Steph and I and our occasional guest talk about our favorite and not so favorite ships of all time. <laughs> Steph and forgetting his name. <laughs> <laughs> indeed and as you all know we have been hosting a series of harry potter episodes for the end of july for harry's birthday we've gone through many of the standouts you know harry and Ginny, ron and hermione james and lily um with the mention of snape of course and today we wanted to honor some couples that in all honesty we could devote an entire episode to but we wanted to share with you in a mashup fashion because we don't have forever to talk about harry potter even though i wish we did yeah so Exactly. So today, <laughs> our couples on deck include Bill and Fleur, Hagrid and Madame Maxine, Draco and Pansy, Lupin and Tonks, the dastardly devious Lucius and Narcissa, and the ever-loving Arthur and Molly Weasley. And as Steph said, some of these we could spend forever on, but we're going to try to give each their moment to shine today. Yep, you got it. But before we get started, we wanted to give our usual spoiler alert as we will be going into some plot details, especially with some of the endings of some of these like mm-hmm. couples and characters and relationships. So that being said, we can't give our typical summary as there's simply way too much to get into discussing so many couples. But the general gist is that these are all characters that interact with Harry or impact him in some way, positively or negatively, on his journey in defeating the dark wizard, Lord Voldemort. Some have a much bigger impact on his life and others, well, we just wanted to throw them in for fun. So we hope that you guys enjoy. Absolutely. And away we go. Woo! So, Bill and Fleur have always had pushbacks from the Weasley family, and yet their love never falters. How does this pushback affect their relationship, and what does their persistence say about their relationship overall? First, can I just say that... Fleur is like my favorite and like I don't like her in the fourth movie I or the fourth book I think she's sort of like she just cares about herself and yeah she's not really kind but as she is in a relationship with Bill and we get to know her better in the later books I love her the way that she just is herself and like Mrs. Weasley and Hermione and all them give her such crap but like I just really like her, and I think her and Bill really make each other better, which is a really good thing. And they're really an unexpected and unlikely couple. Um, But I love it because they don't let the pushback in at all. And that's really great because some couples can, you know, take that kind of negative impact from the outside. And it, it causes them drama and fights on the inside. But with Bill and Fleur, it's like they sort of just... They sort of just place themselves in the Weasley family at important moments mm-hmm. and like they don't allow it to impact their relationships with each other or their relationships with the Weasley family. So 
that's a really great thing. I think it really, really speaks to the health of their relationship. It speaks to like Bill and Fleur both growing because as we know, Bill was sort of like a daredevil, right, in his time. Yeah. And Fleur was kind of just like a uppity princess kind of lady. But what they do is Fleur, she has to deal with a lot of struggle being Bill's wife, honestly. Yep. Um, and, and Bill sort of has to settle down and care for someone else. And that's something that I think is beautifully put together and packaged in this little relationship relationship um, that we get on the side. And of course, their wedding is also just incredible. I know we're not going to get too much time to talk about <laughs> Bill and Fleur. So I just wanted to mention like that their wedding was a huge plot point that I think was oh, really an important huge. way I to start the it. seventh book. Yeah. And it just, I don't know, it was a great moment for Harry and Ginny. It was a great moment for Ron and Hermione. It was mm -hmm. a great moment to like catch up with all the old characters. I think that's for ultimately sure. why uh, JK brought it in because you, you catch up with and Victor you need Crumb. That, you need that moment yeah. of like togetherness before all hell breaks it all falls apart sense. yeah yeah exactly so like them being a couple like i really love the qualities that they have and share but i also think that it like strategically makes a ton of sense for the plot um but what do you think Devin? i just love like how you mentioned like fleur like kills um Mrs. Weasley and Ginny and Hermione with like kindness in a sense. Like, yes, she does. <laughs> like they keep giving her crap, and she's just my like, <laughs> I forget. There's like she doesn't even like come at them negatively or passive aggressively. It, to my knowledge, I'm I'm pretty sure. Um, but it's always just like this. Like, oh, I know you don't like me, but like I'm still going to like try and be a part of your lives. Regardless. She's the best. <laughs> the best. So I'm not really sure that it does have an impact on the relationship specifically because Fleur and Bill don't seem to mind the hostility. They don't care. <laughs> it, it, it's rather has a larger impact on the family dynamics. Um, I'm sure in some regard, it makes the relationship more challenging. One would assume it would, but as readers, we don't get to see it through Harry's eyes. We do, mm -hmm. however, see how the relationship impacts the Weasley family, specifically the Misses and Ginny. Ginny yep. even gives Fleur a nasty nickname to use behind her back. Flem, mm -hmm. right? Flem. Oh, <laughs> so great. So great. And while these two and Hermione kind of treat Fleur poorly, Fleur doesn't give it back, like we said. And I don't think it, and I think it goes to show her headstrong nature, but also her headstrong love as well. Um, she's not going to let them interfere with what they have. And I think that's kind of what makes them so great i mean i yeah. wouldn't say like they're the best couple but they definitely stand out amongst the the crowd they really do um and then moving on i think this next question is like a perfect way to wrap up bill mm -hmm. and fleur because of what we just talked about um but when bill is attacked by fenrir grayback it is expected of fleur that she would leave him um because he's like deformed at this point yeah. like his face is all messed up um but also like am i mistaken in saying that like he ends up having some tendencies of like a wolf or like his attitude has changed I in some way. I don't remember if that's true or not. Somebody That's something we can talk about. Else I thought was bit and they had fear of that, but I don't remember if it was Bill or I not. thought it was Bill. I thought it, it was, but either way, we could talk about it. But so basically Fleur's expected to leave him because of this. Um, you know, she's a what are they called? Um Oh, the gypsy kind of thing. Um, yeah, what is it called that she is? I can't even uh, think of it. 
keep talking. I'll look it up. Okay. Um, but her love is not shaken. So what does this say about the way that people viewed her and her commitment to Bill? Um, she's from Bo Batten. I forget what that means. They're like... I just forget what it's called. Ah, uh, what is she? Avila. Vila, that's yes. what it is. And the reason I bring that up is because they're so, so impacted by image and mm-hmm. aesthetic yep. that like it's a huge deal that she ends up sticking it out with Bill. So I'm I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this. So I think everyone thought that her love was shallow and wouldn't last. Um they she like they only they thought that she only saw the adventure in him or saw him for his handsome um, qualities. And they didn't think that she fit in with the Weasley mold, which is interesting as the Weasleys are the most accepting family in the series. Um, They have so much love to share. And I, I think Fleur is the one that kind of like changes that for them. Um, so Bill's attack should have been a nail in the coffin kind of deal. And yet she makes a stand for her love. She doesn't care about how Bill looks, but what is on the inside. She's in it for the long haul and she wants to share her future with him no matter what. And I think this moment kind of really shows who she is and what she loves in a sense. And I think what's like particularly amazing about the way that she handles this is that it's everything that everyone was concerned about. The whole wheezy, wheezy. I keep saying wheezy on the stamp thing. (laughs) The whole Weasley family was like mad. I think that they didn't like her to begin with because they thought that that's the way she was super shallow or anything like that. But what ends up happening is she proves them all wrong. And that's when we see Mrs. Weasley start to really like, adopt her as a daughter which is what miss weasley tends to do with Mm -hmm. people that she loves is like adopt them into her life and when she does that with fleur it's like wow like this was a really powerful moment um and i love these little side stories this is a side note but i love side stories that jk feels the need to like give good detail to because these are things that make the story make harry potter a world Mm -hmm. rather than just a novel is that like we are given so many important details for even minor characters, and we feel like they're a part of the story and a part of our lives. Absolutely. So I really love that. Bill and Fleur are a great—they're um, a great example of this too. And then the fact that they she brings them back again um, after the wedding. Then um, they go to the cottage and they spend time there, and they help br- put them back on their feet in a sense. So we get to see that whole full circle in a sense, which I love dearly. Oh, me too. Me too. Um, But yeah, I guess we probably should have mentioned um, that we're going to be talking about each character with like two questions ish, (laughs) right? Like given some logistics. Yeah. Sorry guys. We're, we're doing, so this is a mashup episode. So we're given like two questions. It feels very mashy upbeat. Per Mm -hmm. couple in a sense. Um, that way we can get into them and get out and move on to somebody new. So right now we're going to jump into Hagrid and Madame Maxine. Woo! So they are a thing to admire, but they have a minor falling out when he assumes, uh, maybe more of a major falling out. When he correctly. assumes correctly, he does assume correctly that she is part giant. Um, why does this cause such a break in their relationship? And what does it say about their lack of trust? 
It's kind of funny. Like, <laughs> I think that she just didn't want to admit it to herself. Is that ultimately where it comes from? Like, yeah. I don't think we get too much of the story about why she's so offended. Um, she does end up going with him on the search for his brother, though. So that shows that, like, some forgiveness was mm-hmm. given. Um, ultimately, I think... I think there in the wizarding world, we see this a lot where there's a lot of like negative stereotypes about certain races of people or types of people. So like muggle-borns and and bloodlines. And then they talk about um, trolls and like giants and how giants and trolls are kind of connected. And there's a whole like history to it, which is great. It's not as like detailed as uh, Tolkien's like Lord of the Rings (laughs) history of all these animals. But, um, but all of these beings that exist in the Harry Potter world have to some extent like history. And we get the history of Hagrid's mom. We get the history of the giants and they're kind of like looked down on, which ultimately they're pretty violent from what we understand. So I think that Madame Maxine is just sort of very brutal. Yeah, she's she's taken aback that Hagrid would be so like blunt, I guess, with her. Yeah, I feel like her out on it, I guess. Yeah, and Hagrid and Madame Maxine are so different in personality. I mean, she works with all these villas and she's around like the, their beauty and her her horses in the movie drink single malt whiskey. <laughs> and like Hagrid is just this like brutish, like does says what he feels type person. Yeah. And that's why we we see it clash when it comes down to Hagrid being like, oh, yeah, like, so you too, right? And she's just like, <laughs> you too, right? excuse yeah. <laughs> me? And it's this whole thing. And it, I think in that moment it shows um, not not her lack of trust necessarily, but her lack of, like, her lack of confidence in herself, one. And Correct. then also her lack of, like, uh, willing to be open with the people that are around her, the people that she loves. Um, and I think that's more for Madame Maxine than Hagrid. It comes Correct. off more from her, this insecurity. So that's what I think about that. What about yeah. you, Dove? I love that Hagrid, like, tries to dress himself up for her. Yes, yes. <laughs> he, like, tries to I mat down him. his hair and, he like, does. wears nicer, like, nicer quote-unquote clothing <laughs> and stuff. Get some cologne on. Um, oh, anyways, besides that, Maxine is ashamed of her bloodline. So when Hagrid points it out, she immediately becomes offended. And that, like you said, stems off of her insecurity in who she is. Um, yep. And also probably her feeling of just being not like, not identifying who she is as a person. She's lived so long and she's trying to kind of shut that door, move beyond that. And he's here like kind of, pulling it open and exposing her and she feels very put off by it um yeah she's not able to see hagrid and his love for her and the unity they share uh, i mean they are essentially the same makeup and yep. she's not willing to kind of stoop to that level in a sense um instead her she fears being exposed as part giant and sheds herself of her love. So instead of trying to accept all this, she just pushes farther away from it. Um, And it's truly heartbreaking because Hagrid deserves the world. Yes, he does. (laughs) So it's Hagrid is my favorite. It's so painful having to see him get like all of his hopes up, but then like torn down because like he found someone that he feels connected to. And like, he's been pushed like, ostracized from everybody and especially the giant community and now he's found someone 
and she doesn't want to be a part of that community with him. Yeah, it's really sad. It's really like, heartbreaking. It is, and I think, but I think Hag- Hagrid has a really good mentality, and he has a really good heart, and I think he's able to like move past that sort of disagreement, which sometimes he holds grudges, but I don't think he does in this case, which is right. good to see. Um, but moving on, yes. eventually. The two go together to appeal to the giants and dissuade them from joining Voldemort. What does this experience do for their relationship and how was it necessary for them to go together? So I think it's necessary for Maxine to work through this issue. Like like we said, like it's a lot for her. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think, I, I think she just pushes it aside at first. And, yep. and who better to do it with than Hagrid? I mean, her even willing to join him shows a lot of growth and desire to work at this and their relationship. Um, This journey is a great challenge for them, but also for their relationship. Like, I mean, it's huge to people going to these thought to be stereotyped as just like violent and brutish and uh, grotesque creatures and trying to appeal to them and and communicate with them and try and tell them like don't fall into the dark lord's wishes and that kind of thing um so it's a huge challenge for them and for their relationship and i think they learn more about each other through through this experience and even though they don't work out in the end i think this time together was necessary to heal their relationship um Mm -hmm. maxine is able to see why hagrid is the loving and caring giant that he is like he's so far apart from the stereotype because he wanted to be i mm-hmm. mean he was i think he was uh, abandoned by his mother yeah um, and he just loves everything and everyone we've seen it with like all the creatures that he takes in yes the dragon buckbeat um those um what are the fire beetles uh dung beetles or whatever i forget what they're called but in the fourth one like he like he's like creates yeah. these creatures and like everyone's like oh hagrid why these creatures why and do he's you like, do I this that, guys. <laughs> yeah 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 <clears throat> so oh, we just see like why he is the person that he is um and maxine does the same and um hagrid learns to understand why maxine doesn't like to talk about her origins and he mm-hmm. understands like why she feels the way she does and is able to understand her more instead of just like, oh, you don't, you don't want to be a part of this. Like that, that just offends me. Um, he tried to, he tries to understand where she's coming from. So yeah, I think it's a great journey for them both. Yeah. I think that it's ultimately, it shows Maxine, like the difference between like her and Hagrid versus the other kind of, what are they called? Giants out there. Mm-hmm. I think that it's a good journey for them to go on together to learn more about each other, to learn more about how they are unique to this world in that the others of their kind are not like civilized right. or socialized or anything. And I think it also does. I think it does show her that like he cares a lot. Like you were saying, like he cares a lot about the kind of creatures that other people don't. And that's the same with giants. Like he went on this trip and every day he'd get like a black eye or like you you remember he had yeah. like a steak on he his eye. Half brother. He back. brought his yeah. Like he just cares a lot and that's probably what Maxine got Madame Maxine Wah. got out of it that's was right. that yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gop or grop it is, grop, right? Grop. Yeah. yeah. They're so like I love that she got to see this side of him. 
However, we don't really get much like assurance that they end up together and yeah, not just friends, do, do we? I mean, she shows up. I don't at think the they do either. And kind of like yeah. comforts him, but I don't think they end up together. It's just. Kind but of I like think that. they have this like lifelong friendship that they yeah. recognize after a trip like that. You'd think it would happen. Um, so I really don't know if they end up together or not. But at the very least, this trip does what it needs to in For sure. fixing that problem. Absolutely, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and moving on. So now we're going to talk about Draco and Pansy. <laughs> <laughs> and we know that Draco and Pansy don't end up together in the end. But what were some of your favorite moments with these two? And why do you think they didn't end up together? Well, I think that we never really get in the books too much assurance that they even dated. But right. I think in the movies, it's sort of like assumed like there are scenes where they're like seen together mm-hmm. or like stuff like this um and a lot of readers kind of assume that they're together because she's in his little posse i more think of them almost i almost think of her more as a sidekick and that's kind of where we're gonna yep. get to with the second part of this question i think my favorite moments with draco and pansy mostly have to do with their little villainous like <laughs> back and forths yes. and i think that's mainly all we get from them um is that there will be moments where he's like picking on Harry and she's like, or like she calls like (laughs) Hermione, like a mudblood or whatever. And Draco laughs about it. Uh, Those are my favorite moments because like, those are the only real moments we get with them. I don't really think we see Draco, although there is a one, one moment on the train where he gets vulnerable with her. I believe. Um, you talk about that. But so for me, it's like these little like hilarious villainous back and forths that are my favorites. Um, and I think why they don't end up together is, like I said before, she's more like a sidekick. She's more like a crab and goyle to yep. him than anything. And we don't know much about his his wife in the end. We Right? We don't hear much. Yeah, I don't we we looked exactly up her name last time. We did. Yeah, but I don't remember her name. Um, but ultimately, I think... Malfoy needed such a separation in the end from all things dark arts, from all things like Voldemort related, mm-hmm. from all things his dad related. And I think Pansy was just another reminder of that. And they weren't sure. really nice or good to each other either. They just kind of were there to to laugh about. Maybe, maybe they were. We can't really say for sure. But it seemed to me like she was more of a crony than like a yep. like a bro than like a girlfriend. Um, I agree. But what about you, Devin? What do you think? Yeah, I, and these two are, all like, like you said, they're nonchalantly mentioned as being couple-esque, like kind of together. But um, I think it takes some time f- for them to realize what they are and kind of define yes. the relationship, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. These feelings stem more from their shared interest in being cruel to other students and abusing their yep. power. Um, but that's besides the point. Um but like you said, they they really, the relationship only is based off of their shared interests in just being jerks, right? Um, one point that I like where we get a little bit more of their depth that you kind of mentioned already um, in their relationship is in the Half-Blood Prince when Harry sneaks into Draco's cart um, on the train and listens to him boast and kind of also get a little bit vulnerability out of him uh, about his assignment from Lord Voldemort. Uh, Pansy is clearly anxious and scared for Draco's future and safety and being employed as a Death Eater, um, but she still tries to support him in his efforts as well. So while it's not like the best moment, I think it shows that there is a sense of realness to them 
that they do have genuine feelings for each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Not necessarily romantic feelings, but just like, I mean, they spent how many years together? So they do have this feelings feelings for each other and want the best for each other and for no harm to come to each other. Yeah, Um, I'm looking up his actual wife right now. Um, Her name's Astoria. Yes, I remember She is apparently two years younger than Draco. And it seems like she was a pure blood family. There is some, like, lore... There, or not lore, whatever it is. There is some people believe that Draco married her because um, because she was anti-pure blood. So she was sort of like, we shouldn't be trying to force people, you know, just to marry wiz- okay. wizards or witches. Um, which is interesting. And apart from that, there's like a bunch of stories. And I guess from the cursed child, she must have died. Um, due to some family curse. Yeah, because cursed child. um, And it leaves Draco sort of heartbroken. So, oh gosh, there's a whole thing about a time turner here. Like, I'm not getting involved with that. But this is an interesting story that I think that we should look more into because I never really knew much about a story. I never read the full cursed child. So, I don't know. But regardless, um, with Pansy, I think... Like that's with that scene, they do have feelings, like I yes. said, other than just like these snarky, jealous or pride kind of deal. I um, mean, like you yeah. said, I think she's just a sidekick. Like he doesn't yeah. see her as a romantic interest in any way. So that's kind of why right. they don't necessarily end up together. And like you said, she's a reminder of his past. He doesn't want anything to do with yeah. that old self. He wants to move forward and kind of be a changed person. At least we think. Yes, like, that, that is mean, the intention at the end of the. Yeah, the, is that he's like kind of done with all that Deathly crap. Palace, and that's yeah. something we're going to talk about later about the Malfoys, too, because we're going to talk about Lucius and Narcissa. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know if they have a redemption story, but I think Draco does for the most part. Yes. So we'll, and I'm we'll a talk fan more about of that. It. Yeah, Devin's a fan, as everyone knows from last episode. Um, but next question, and I am so ready for this relationship, so you guys. We're talking about Tonks and Lupin. Um, so the romance between Nymphadora Tonks and Remus Lupin happens for the most part off the page. It was a complete subplot, and yet, how did JK leave her readers wanting more and having so many feelings for this couple? And how were they a relationship destined for tragedy? Ugh. They're so rogue. many questions in I know, one, I know. Because I, I, I love these guys. <laughs> I love them, too. <laughs> so love I them. tried to... I know we only have two questions, but I needed to try and get as many thoughts down as possible. Um, but I'm just such a fan of this relationship and this romance. Me too. And we really don't get much of it as readers. We don't get their first meeting or them slowly falling in love during their Order of the Phoenix missions or their wedding and especially their deaths. Um, We don't get all the pieces, but what we do get really drives us. And Mm -hmm. um, that's why we love it. JK somehow manages to give us the juicy details and make the readers feel like they are a part of the romance without going Mm -hmm. into the details of each specific meaningful moment. Um, we experience the pain both Lupin and Tonks go through in dealing with their relationship. Whether that, yep. whether that is deciding to um, pursue the relationship or even after they are married and 
when Lupin finds out that he's going to be a father. Like, we get that Oh, my aspect. God. Like, oh, oh, my God. <laughs> we see them in bits and pieces throughout, and it puts the whole picture together. And I'm such a fan. Um, and it's moving, it's heartbreaking, and it's beautiful. And I don't know if it was necessarily destined for disaster or not, but it does have a strong star-crossed lovers vibe. Um, I mean, we're talking werewolf prejudices, a war brewing, and everything else going on in their lives. They had a lot on their plate, but I'm glad they saw hope in each other. Yep. Ah, yeah. I think they're beautiful. And I just want to note that um, a lot of people, so a lot of people love this couple because they're both great people, but a lot of people have problems with the fact that Tonks is in this kind of relationship because I've heard a lot of people say that they really pinned her as like an LGBTQ plus person um from the very beginning that's actually something that a lot of people in the hogwarts community like hogwarts community oh my (laughs) god the harry potter community um sort of like had trouble because they were either like she doesn't want to be in a relationship because she's so independent or maybe something else and i know that that's something that's written about a lot especially in fan fiction Okay. Um, but Tonks and Lupin, I really ship it um, just because I think they're two great people that we get. Like Tonks is one of the most interesting characters I think that JK brings into the story. Um, I think that Harry, Ron, and Hermione are sort of like, first of all, really confused about who she is, but also they really <laughs> just she, love her. Do you and remember she's what she's called. She's a. Uh... Oh, uh, I forget what it is, but it's like you she's able to like. Look it up. Yeah, no, you're good. And there's lots of that in this episode of like looking stuff up. (laughs) Um, But it's it's great because she's one of the most interesting characters. And Lupin is one of like the most trustworthy, loyal, but also like like mysterious characters because of the fact that he's a wolf. And I think that's why we're so intrigued is because these are two of the most interesting characters JK has given us and they end up together. And that's beautiful. And I think one of my favorite moments with Tonks is when Harry thinks she's in love with Sirius and like, she's like in Hogwarts, like keeps asking about like Lupin or whatever, and she, you can just see the pain because she's in love with him and he just will not allow her to put herself through living with, you know, him as a werewolf. And it ends up happening, obviously, because you can't fight love. But Correct. those are the moments that I can see their passion really coming out. And it's kind of random at some point. Like, even Harry's surprised. Um, but I think they do, they do truly, genuinely love each other. And I think that's beautiful. And were they destined for tragedy? Yes. Um, Yeah, I mean, just within the plot line of the story, we have a werewolf and we have this girl who marries him and is a very, she's like a daredevil. She doesn't, she kind of throws caution to the wind. That's her thing. She's like an aura and she ends up marrying like the most dangerous creature, basically, Mm -hmm. or human kind of creature um, that exists. And that's why they're destined for tragedy. It kills me even so like even though we know it's coming like it kills me every time i reread this book i'm like no can't they just live please um (laughs) but at least it wasn't like what people would have expected like like you know lupin being a werewolf and you know killing her or whatever it ended Uh, up being that to the very end they fought for the good of the the wizarding community Mm -hmm. yep i mean so uh teddy it right it's teddy 
Teddy, yes. Yeah, oh he's God. the he's their legacy, and I love that. Um, I'm but, just really glad that he's in the story. Yes, absolutely. Um, but she is a metamorph magus. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Oh not, yeah, she's well, able to whatever. like transform her parts of her. She's able yeah, to look yeah. differently. I don't know. Yeah. Regardless, very unique. So it makes sense that like someone unique would go with somebody also unique. Unique. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but moving on to our next question about these two. Lupin, conditioned by the stigma and the prejudice against the werewolves, believes himself to be unworthy of love and too damaged to be loved. How does Tonks show him otherwise? And why is this relationship needed in the story? It heals a lot of the trauma that we're talking about with like race relations in this story. Like there it's okay, Devin, because I could just mute it. But um it heals the problems. Like ultimately, um ultimately when it comes to different types of people, whether it be wizarding versus muggle-born, or whether it be um you know, that the giants we were just talking about, there's a lot of problems with stereotyping others, quote unquote. So when we see Lupin, who's a werewolf, who is other, and we see, you know, Tonks, who is other, she comes from, first of all, she comes from a pure blood family, um, I think. Maybe they're not pure blood. But either way, like, she's kind of seen as an other too with the way that she handles herself and as a, a whatever it was, a metamorph magis whatever you called it um but so yeah we see those prejudices throughout and i think their relationship really like heals it at least doesn't heal it overall but it like heals in our minds because we see that there are good wizards out there that are willing to look past what someone looks like or what's where someone comes from and look into their heart um and I think what's really sad is, you know, Lupin has this prejudice seeped into him. And like, yeah, he's a dangerous character. Like he is a werewolf. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, he has ways of dealing with that, with managing that. And that's kind of what Tonks shows him is that she's willing to look past that sort of like hard exterior of right. someone who is a werewolf. And she's willing to put herself at risk because she loves him and she trusts him. Yeah. And that's beautiful. I'm... I love Lupin. <laughs> I love Lupin! <laughs> I think he uh. is my favorite character. And it breaks my heart. Um, just his whole story of accepting that he feels like he's never going to belong. Or just never yep. going to feel loved by anyone. Um, he pushes people away. We love away. you, Lupin! I know, right? He pushes people away, and his friends have to rally around him, and they even um, become... Uh, what is the term? They all become animaguses. Is that what it is? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. They all become something. Like, they learn to transform themselves to, like, help him deal with the trauma that he's going through as being a werewolf. Like, Which, such good friends oh my goodness, in that it's moment. It's so beautiful and i just appreciate lupin so much he's me too okay that being said (laughs) (laughs) devin's emotional (laughs) no i'm good um but you're right like tonks helps heal him um he's damaged and she just shows him love and compassion and empathy and everything and just puts him back together and he again over 
and that's why like i struggled with like when he comes back and it's like i'm gonna be a father and like i don't want to be i don't want to like i don't know if this is the right thing I, can i go on the mission with you harry because like i kind of want to like run away because i want to drop out yeah, yeah. <laughs> and because he continuously doubts himself and harry and for the first time is like no like yeah. this thing comes out of harry that is like you be a father to your son i'm like harry the most mushy ass person is yep. like oh, okay oh it's great yeah i great. love it um but yeah i just can't get enough of the compassion that she shows um and she knows that it's going to be a difficult battle um but she's willing to fight it anyways and the fact that like her not being able to be that kind of person for um, Lupin in uh, the Order of the Phoenix um, when her Patronus changes. Like, yes. that just shows the amount of uh, just like feelings that she has bottled up and wanting to help him, uh, yep. wanting to love him. Um, so it's just, I can't get enough of them. God, I, I know we're gonna it's gonna be tough to pick which one we which one is best. I, but Oh man. And that's why like Devin. I, I shared all these on Instagram to get people's thoughts and people had a lot to say about this particular yes, they one. Did. Because it was I and I did it for a reason. I chose Lupin and Tonks versus Arthur and Weasley, which uh, Arthur and and Molly and Weasley. Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I chose that for a reason because I think they are like two of the best subplot relationships and i was really interested to see like what people's thoughts were i know okay well so, you'll have to release that information later to yeah, us if sure. you have it but next question arthur and molly weasley we do not have words to express our admiration for these two how do they show a well-rounded and loving relationship okay sorry about that no you're good you're good All right, so we're what did you find in. Um, well, we had 30 something people participate, so that was wow. crazy. But look at that, it was Bill and Fleur over Hagrid and Madame Maxine, uh huh. Um, Lucius and Narcissa over Draco and Pansy, yeah, and Arthur and Molly over Lupin and Tonks. <gasps> oh my gosh, anyways, let's jump back in, yeah. So you just read the question. Yep. Okay. These two are the most loving beings in this Harry Potter world. Um, and I just can't get enough of their love for each other. And also just like their love for everyone that walks through their door yep part, besides fleur at times because we, yeah, we yeah, talked yeah. about that already <laughs> yeah yep. <laughs> but even like i love that he kind of has to like hide some things from her because she knows or he knows that like if she finds out about his like muggle fascination and something yep. that he does she'll flip her lid yeah um but in the same way like they're just so good for each other and they balance each other out so much she she's such a, a motherly figure um and she just shows love and she's strict at times i love when ron gets that howler um i don't know oh my god <laughs> such a great scene <laughs> i just can't get enough of what they do for harry and for all for anyone that really 
like I said, crosses their door, um, they support everyone and they want to be there for everyone. Yeah. And I think that's why you can tell that they have a well-rounded and loving relationship. If you look at someone's home and you can see that the door is always open and they are willing to drop anything for the people that they love outside of themselves, you can see right in that that they have a sacrificial relationship Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful, Um, especially with, with Harry. I mean- they don't have an extra galleon to rub together, Correct. but at the same time, they're willing to go out and buy Harry books sometimes or like bring him into their home. And that is something that you don't get from, you know, non self-sacrificial people. And I think Arthur and Molly, even though Arthur, you know, he's a little silly at times, he has his little hobbies and everything. Um, and Molly can be a little bit strict sometimes. I think mm-hmm. no matter those like flaws, they stand by each other no oh, matter 100%. what. And you can tell that Molly rules the roost there. And that is, I, I freaking love that whenever <laughs> Arthur's like, yeah, whatever your mother says about it. Like, I just love them. And you can tell by by the fact that they have, you know, they have amazing kids, mm-hmm. that they have a great relationship yep. because their kids are the same. Even though they go through each of their own issues and differences like they have what is it seven incredible children that have grown into incredible adults and one of them helps save the wizarding world so yeah dang percy is his own creature but uh percy he, comes, he comes back around. in the he end comes around he does um, it takes him right. forever you're right they don't have much of anything to offer anybody besides mm-hmm. their love like they they have their weirdly constructed house yeah they have their <laughs> Um, their children, they have their magic, and they have love, and that's what and they, they offer. Give it. Yeah, they offer it to everyone, and that's what I just like. It's so great the type of just open. How can we help? What can we do? Yeah, um, just that action. I love that so. for sure. Me too. All right. So these two have seven kids and a whole lot of love. So what makes these two such great parents? We kind of already talked about it, but... We did, but I just want to touch on their two personalities. I think, like I said, Molly rules the roost. She tells the kids what to do. She makes the dinner. She's like, she runs around and she gets the stuff done. Mm -hmm. Arthur's sort of a silly guy, but not just silly. I think he teaches his kids a lot about love, patience, about accepting of like others. Um, A lot of... a and, lot of Ron's um, acceptance and openness and wanting to accept comes from him. Comes yep. from the, yes, exactly. And that's why the two of them make such a power couple because they're able to teach their kids such important values Correct. from different perspectives. And they stand up for themselves And they work too. together. Yes, and Molly does. Oh my God, at the end when she oh, is that's like, such a good scene. get away from my daughter, you Beach. I'm like, yes, Molly, I love you. And that is so Ginny. Because for a while, you're kind of like, where is Ginny coming from? She's not really like a domestic housewife like Molly. But Molly is not. Molly is fire. And that's why I'm like, you can see it in Ginny later on. Yeah. And I love that they have all sons except for Ginny. Like, that is just... So it's just so funny to me. I just, I love it. I love their family dynamic. It's great. Yeah, they're great. Um, but did you have anything else to add? We kind of touched on. Yeah, I mean, we did, and but there's so much more than just this as well. But it, this just shows a lot of what their character development is, and just who they mm-hmm. are as people. Um, they're they teach 
they take in Harry, they teach him, they um, offer everything that they have to him. Um, and it just shows that these are two people that he can look up to as parents. Um, they come to the Triwizard Tournament to support him. They, um, I'm trying to think of other moments that they were like there for him. Um, yep. I mean, the twins literally came and rescued him from <laughs> from his aunt and uncle. Yes, they did. They did. They're heroes. <laughs> so, I mean, they just taught them how to just, uh, like, the acceptance and just to have an open heart and to stick up for, for people. And I don't know. It's just, there's something, it's beautiful. About, there's something about Molly and Arthur that, like, goes down in the books. So Yeah. No, it's beautiful. And, um, yeah, so that's Molly and Arthur. They're great. Now we're going to talk about the Malfoys really, really quick. Real quick. Um, so Lucius and Narcissa. Do we think that this was a healthy relationship? <laughs> why or why not? And then I have two other questions to ponder over, too. Do you think Narcissa was in agreement with much of what Lucius was doing with Voldemort? Or, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And do you think, would you consider them like a weak couple? So this was not a healthy relationship at all. No! I gross! <laughs> I think it was very power dominance. Um, and she kind of had to act as just the, okay, yes, uh, just going along with the flow kind of thing. Um, and we really get to see a lot more of this in the beginning. I think it's the seventh one when she goes to Snape um, behind everyone's back. Um, yeah, she's like, I don't. She approve wants to protect of, her kid. Correct, I don't approve of what's going on, and I need to make sure that somebody is um, having the best interest at heart when it comes to her child. Um, yep, she's she hates that they put him into that they put Draco into this position. Um, mm -hmm. She doesn't understand why um, he's being singled out um, and just having to deal with all of this and. As a mother, like you would do anything for your child. So when, yep. when somebody as your husband agrees to let him go do this, like, whew, that's rough. It's rough. Um, but yeah, so I don't think it's healthy at all. I think there's a lot of um, her having to accept things that she shouldn't have to. Um, and I think she ultimately acts as that bystander um, when it comes to their relationship with the dark arts like, yeah she just has to i think she i i think she's a part of it um like i'm not saying that she's not a part of it she's i think she is um yeah a death eater and she follows along with it but she also acts as that like okay i don't agree with what's going on but i'm still going to fall through with it um yeah kind of like she's the weak-willed person who just does what correct she's and i think mm -hmm. that i mean not to like say this but like with nazi time um, mm -hmm. There were a lot of people like Narcissa. That were bystanders. Correct. Yep. They allowed the evil to continue, even though I think towards the end they started to realize it was getting out of hand. Right. Like, um, I'm not, I mean, now I'm talking about Narcissa and Lucius. Mm -hmm. Like, th they were a very unhealthy relationship. You can see it in moments like uh, the Malfoy Manor, and you can see this throughout where she's going to Snape instead about all these things. Lucius, I think, lost his mind a little bit. Like, at first, he, what he, what he, he's just a pompous he came across, jerk. Oh my God. He is. He came across as like a really strong 
strong but evil Death Eater. And then you realize how, like, insecure and afraid he is. He's a little sniveling guy. And, like, in Malfoy Manor, you can see how paranoid he is that the Dark Lord is going to come there. Um, And that, to me, you probably don't hear me right now, Devin, because do you hear me now? Do you hear me now? Keep going. Yeah, I got you. You're back. No, that, to me... (laughs) That to me is so frustrating because we watch him, you know, go from being this, my lord, I'll do whatever you say, to being like freaking afraid, like oh, wetting he's a his pants. Weenie he is. He's a end. weenie. <laughs> and like, that's what I don't think he protects his family very well. No. He just kind of follows what the Dark Lord says. And his wife gets dragged into it. She could have been a stronger person, but ultimately, he's the one making all these mistakes. I think they were a really weak couple, but I think JK wrote them really well. I don't mean weak in that, like, they weren't written well. I think they were weak people that got together Correct. and fell for the seduction of power yep. and they didn't know how to protect what was theirs in doing so. So it just, to me, they were bystanders, they were paranoid, they were afraid and they didn't do anything for Draco. Exactly. Um, so they put their son in a bad position, which is why I have a little bit more compassion for Draco exactly. and his redemption in the end, which like I already, I already mentioned in, my last, in the last episode. Exactly. So. Anyways. Yep. Well, that was fun. Yep, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Yelling about Lucius and Narcissa. They are the anti-Molly and Arthur. Exactly. They're the anti-Weasley family. Yeah, all they share is, like, cruelty and just hatred. Yep. Yep. But bring us home, Devin, because we already know the book and movie. What is our final question? Exactly. So we're going to dive into do we ship it and more specifically who do you ship the most and who do you ship the least out of the couples that we talked about today i have so much trouble because i love so many of them i i you know i honestly want to say tonks and lupin are my favorite i would say either them or i'm very intrigued by bill and fleur i didn't give them too much thought before but i really really think that they are great they're amazing um I, obviously, I just hate Lucius and Narcissa. I think Hagrid and uh, Maxine. Madame Maxine aren't great. Uh, I don't think that they're great for each other. But Lucius and Narcissa are literally terrible. So yeah, I have you to agree kind with of that. agree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd agree with that. I Lupin and Tonks, all the way, love them. Um, my heart is devastated every time I um, hear anything about those two. So um, yep. yeah. I mean, obviously, Arthur and Molly are also up there, but golden. Um, I agree. Bill and Fleur are also a strong couple, and mm-hmm. although Hagrid and Maxine are weaker, and I do not ship it, I think their relationship is necessary, and I do like the way that it is dealt with. Um, yep. But like you said, um, Lucius and Narcissa, and Draco and Pansy. <clears throat> excuse me will probably be on the lower end of the scale um in the we do not ship so that's my thoughts i agree i totally agree <laughs> well there you have it our thoughts on some of our favorite couples from the wizarding world but what do you think do you agree did we miss someone that you think we should have mentioned in our potter mashup let us know in the socials. We'd be happy to hear it. And we always love hearing your thoughts, guys. So please let us know if you agree with us, if you disagree with us. Start a conversation with us. We would love We'd to We'd love chat. it. Um, yes, thank you. Especially if you think that there's you. someone that we did not 
mention like if there's someone like you should have talked you, about this couple or what yeah. about what about this um fan fiction that we should have talked about like maybe we'll do another harry potter yeah. in the future maybe we'll dive further exactly. into molly and arthur because there's so much there oh for sure um but so we have our first comment is from julia so thank you for writing in julia she says i loved fan fictions with draco and hermione Ooh, that's an interesting <laughs> that one interesting. i've heard about that uh or fred and hermione that I've not heard. So, Julia, awesome. I love that. Um, actually, I did read a fan fiction about Fred and Hermione, but I digress. Besides the point. Um, yeah, beside the point. With Draco and Hermione, I used to read fan fiction after fan fiction with them. Yes, very unrealistic pairing, therefore fan fiction. Forbidden. But let's be real. Draco has a soft side, and yes, he's kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay, the Draco and Hermione thing, there is merit to that. That I am is not very going to interesting. Lie. There I would not deny it. it, but it's also. I not think as it's the punch. I think it's the punch. The punch, punch that, that sets it off. Like, Ooh. <laughs> that tension. <laughs> yes. Get it. <laughs> All right. And we um we do have a few small comments from our story as well from Insta. Um, two of which both stated the all in favor of Molly and Arthur. And this one in particular says, Molly and Arthur are relationship goals. So a shout out to Mary and the book I was love better that two podcast. people commented that. I know it was, <laughs> <laughs> and it's needed to be said. So thank it you, is. Mary and the book was better podcast for both sending that in. We love the Weasleys as much as you, but I think Tonks and Lupin are better. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> okay, and now it's time for us to talk about our next episode. So Devin, what are we talking about next week? We are diving into one of the greatest and steamiest series to come out of COVID and that's Bridgerton. (laughs) (laughs) It really kept us all hooked and watching at the same time when we were stuck at home. It gave us something to discuss um, with people. I didn't get into it until later, um, Mm -hmm. but it is what it is and it's hot topic now. So (laughs) we want to discuss Daphne and Simon. Were they healthy? Do we love them? guess we'll find out <laughs> <laughs> i'm so excited and thanks to everyone for listening and to our commenters for sending their stuff in we love engaging with you all and i just want to throw a quick shout out to everyone who was a guest on all of our harry potter series yes thank really you everyone for joining for us. us yes it was so much fun so everyone listening you know please follow us on social media if you're not already or reach out to our email at we ship it podcast at gmail.com if you want to join for a future episode or send in a comment absolutely And we would love to hear what you think of the podcast. So please like, rate, and review or what on whatever service you are listening on. We appreciate you all. We love doing this for you all. And if you love it, please tell us. We would love to hear it. Yep, and that about wraps up our Harry Potter series. It was such a blast talking with you all about our well, my favorite series, one of our favorite (laughs) series. Thank you all so much. And don't forget, it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. See you next time, which Devin and I do all the time. We're dwelling on all these fake characters. But Dumbledore has wisdom. We love you guys. See you guys. (laughs) 